Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. On the first day of the week, two of Jesus' followers were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all those things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing them, recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find the body there, They came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, And they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I speak to you in the name of the one living God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. This morning, I want to talk about revelation. Now, we've got to be careful here because anytime that word is mentioned in a church, it seems like everybody's minds race forward to the last book in the Bible, the Revelation of John. And that's an important book. There's a lot there, but that's a different discussion for a different day. Today, I want to talk about 
the word revelation and what revelation means to us in our faith. So first of all, where does this word come from, revelation? Well, its origin, its etymology, if you will, is in the Latin word revelare. And revelare means to uncover, to make known, to lay bare, to reveal. And so we have all kinds of revelations and we all have all kinds of revealing things in our culture, don't we? Take, for example, young couples who are expecting usually their first child. So often these days they'll have a reveal party where they share the revelation of the gender of their child to be born. Student athletes who are about to play college baseball or football or basketball will often reveal the school they're going to sign with by calling a press conference and sticking on a cap of the school they're going to go to. That's the big revelation. On a more serious plane, journalists engage in research, dig into backgrounds of things, and often reveal or have revelations of important stories by way of their writings. So we can find examples of revelations all over our society. But why talk about it here today? And what does revelation mean in this context? Well, one reason to talk about it is this. Think about it with me. In one sense, the entirety of the Bible represents God's effort to reveal to us God's nature and God's plan for us. The great revelation of God begins all the way back in the Old Testament. God revealed God's self to Abraham in the form of three strangers who approached his tent. God revealed God's self to Moses in the form of the burning bush. God spoke to Elijah in the still, small voice. Afterwards, God appeared to us often in visions and dreams, and ultimately God spoke to us through the words inspired with the prophets, all in an effort at revelation to reveal to us God's plans and God's nature. But it didn't work out real well. Very often, in fact, almost always, we just didn't get it. Which brings us to the New Testament and a new plan, a new idea. God had a grand new plan, a grand new idea, and that is to reveal God's nature and God's plan in the person of Jesus, to reveal all of this in the face, in the words, in the actions of Jesus. As I say, it was a brilliant idea. And as an aside, I'm pretty confident that God is very happy that I think it was a brilliant idea. It worked. But then another question is begged. For those of us in the centuries since who weren't there to see and hear and watch what Jesus did, how was Jesus revealed to us? Well, I think there are three ways Jesus is revealed. The first two are the two that are most traditionally cited. And we see examples of these two methods of revelation 
both in today's gospel and in what we do here on Sundays. You see, these two methods of revelation are, on one hand, the Word, the Scripture, and then also the meal, the Eucharistic meal. As I say, we see this in today's gospel lesson. Jesus spoke the Word to them, spoke about the Scriptures to Cleopas and his pal, and then what did they do? Then they took the bread, they blessed the bread, broke the bread, and shared the bread. And we do exactly the same thing in the same order each Sunday in this space. The first thing we do is have the service of what? The service of the Word, where we read the Scripture and we discuss the Scripture. Maybe we don't discuss it so much, maybe I talk about it more, but still, it's a form of discussion. And then what do we do? Then we move to the table, we move to the Eucharistic meal. And just as Jesus did in Emmaus, we what? We take the bread, we bless the bread, we break the bread, and then we share the bread. And Jesus can be known to us in either one of these two forms, the word or the meal. Now notice I said Jesus can be known to us, but not always. Not always. Now let's explore that a little bit by way of our gospel lesson. Now, I dare say that this guy Cleopas and his unnamed pal were the beneficiaries of the greatest theological lecture that's ever been spoken. Think about it. As they walked these seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they heard the scripture interpreted by God's own mouth, by the mouth of Christ. And yet, and yet in this example of the word, they did not see, they did not experience Jesus. Jesus was not revealed to them. Why? What's the reason for this failure of revelation here? Could it be that God intended them for, for them to not see Jesus? I don't think so. That's not in God's nature. Well, then, maybe the answer can be found in what happens immediately before this walk to Emmaus. You see, in the few verses before this, the, the women in, in Jesus' disciples, group of disciples, went to the tomb. This is Easter morning. Go to the tomb, they find it empty, and instead they encounter two angels in white, dazzling white robes who say, Jesus is risen. So the women rush back to the remaining 11 apostles. Remember, Judas is gone now. And the rest of the disciples, which are described as all the rest. And they tell the great news. Well, Peter, being Peter, he rushes off to the tomb, but the rest of the people, uh, rest of the apostles and all the rest dismiss what these women tell them. They dismiss it, we're told, because it sounds to them like an idle tale. Now, two of these people who form all the rest are Cleopas and his pal. They leave Jerusalem, they head to Emmaus. And when they encounter Jesus, we have an example of I don't know, human frailty, human failure, human nature, and it's this. 
we find it impossible for us to see that which we have dismissed as not possible. These were among the group of all the rest who dismissed the stories of the, of the ladies, dismissed the story of the resurrection because they didn't think it was possible. And so when Jesus was right there before their eyes, mentally they were not prepared to see him. But when we get to the meal, when we get to the meal, suddenly Jesus is revealed. What happened here? Why the distinction? Why the difference? I'm confident it is because while on the one hand their minds were not prepared to see Jesus, their hearts were prepared to experience Jesus. And we know that from their actions. Think back with me. As they complete this seven-mile hike and they arrive at Emmaus, Jesus goes on, or at least it appears he's going to go on ahead. But Cleopas and his pal, we probably ought to call him Mortimer, Cleopas and Mortimer yell out, wait, wait, stay with us. It's getting late. Stay with us. Eat with us. Spend the night with us. Now think about this for just a second. At this point, Cleopas and his pal have not recognized Jesus to them. He's just a stranger, just somebody they shared the road with for a few hours. And yet, they were willing to share the roof with him. They were willing to share their food with him. In other words, their hearts were prepared to share God's love. And with those prepared hearts, those prepared souls, when the bread was broken... Jesus was revealed. So I think the lesson here is the importance of you and I being prepared so that we can encounter Jesus. We need to prepare our minds by having open, inquiring, inquisitive minds when we encounter the Scripture. That will allow us to see Jesus revealed. And we need to have hearts that are prepared to share God's love in order to encounter Jesus in the Eucharistic meal. Now, remember, early on, I said there were three ways that we can encounter Jesus. The way less frequently described, but I think at least as important, is this. Jesus is revealed in the actions of Christians, Christians who follow Christ directions. Remember what Christ directed. He said, when you visit those in prison, feed the hungry, clothe those who do not have enough to wear, give shelter to those who have no shelter. When you do that to the least of me, least of those, you do it to me. And so when we, particularly when our minds and hearts are prepared When we see others doing this visiting and this feeding and this clothing and this sheltering, then we can see it as more than merely good deeds. We see it as Christ being revealed. And. 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 When you and I with prepared minds, with prepared hearts. 
when you and I go about this business of visiting, feeding, clothing, sheltering, when we do that, then we reveal Christ to the world out there. And I'm pretty confident that Jesus would agree that's another brilliant idea. Amen.